know about you, but I'm thankful for people who've gone on before us and set the, set the table for us and got things together. As Keith said, our ministry used to call, be called MWS&E, and no one could ever remember what, was, what that stood for. And uh, all kinds of, they came up with all kinds of creative things. And so one night, the uh, uh, son of the founder had this dream. God gave him this dream that we need to be called Go International. You know, that solved everything. That's what, what the Great Commission's all about. So they come up with this name, the Great uh, Go International, and it's, uh, so we help fulfill the Great Commission. And so people still don't get what it's all about. I'm, I'm traveling down the road uh, on an airplane a few weeks ago, and I like wearing logo stuff, you know, and, and the guy next to me leans over and says, um, so what does G.O. stand for? <clears throat> I said, well, go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you think that, that you simplify it as much as you can and you'd get it, but we don't always get it. Go International stands for Go International. G.O. stands for Go. And that's what the Great Commission's all about. And we're so privileged to be in partnership with Christ Community Church. It's, we go into churches all the time that don't really understand the Great Commission, but it's, it's wonderful to come today to a church where you guys are living it out. And so that makes our job a lot, a lot easier. And we're thankful for all the investment that you continue to make in the kingdom and with uh, the work that we're doing at Go International. <clears throat> As we kind of finish up the series that you guys have been in about the Great Commission, uh, and I know that uh, Keith preached on this last week, there's really five places that historically we, we look at when we think of the Great Commission. The first five books of the New Testament, each of those books have a passage of Scripture we call the Great Commission passage of Scripture from that, that book of the Bible. If we start in the book of Acts, you look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll what? Be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And that's the Great Commission passage in the book of Acts. If you back up to the book of John, as we're heading towards where Keith was at last week, um, you look at John chapter 20, verses 21 through 23. Uh, it's, it's where Jesus said, now as the Father sent me, so I'm going to send you. And so send I you. And that's that Great Commission passage in the book of John. If you were to back up another book uh, in the Gospel of Luke, you'd look at the 24th chapter, beginning verse 46, down through verse 49. And you'd see this passage of Scripture where Jesus said, repentance, the message of repentance and forgiveness must be preached in all the nations. And you get this global aspect of God's heart for the nations, the Great Commission, not just to be preaching repentance and forgiveness of sins here in our country, but all the nations need to hear this message. Then if you go back another book to the, to the Gospel of Mark, you'd look in the 16th chapter in verse 15 through verse 18. Jesus just simply says, go into all the world. It's a geo passage of Scripture there. Go into all the world and preach the Gospel to the whole creation, to all of creation. So you've got this idea in Mark's Gospel all of the gospel to all of the world, and it must go out and it must be fulfilled. Now, if you were to turn to the book of Matthew and, and pull out the Great Commission passage of Scripture in the book of Matthew, most of us would turn to the passage of Scripture that Keith read last week, verses 19 and 20. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold... Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I heard a preacher one time, he said this. Uh, it's a kind of a conditional promise. Lo, I'm with you always. And we all, we all want to claim that, that God's with me. But it's in context. Lo, I'm with you always. The context was go. And I love what he said. He said, no go, no low. Okay? And so you think about that, you'll get that later. And uh, so God's promised us to be with us. That's traditionally the passage of Scripture 
in the 28th chapter that we think about the Great Commission. However, there's another Great Commission passage of Scripture in the same passage, Matthew chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there, go up to verse 1, and we're going to read together the first 10 verses of Matthew chapter 28 as we talk today about another Great Commission passage of Scripture. Well, I love each of these passages of Scripture are so simple in their understanding, but I think today if we can really grasp the hold of the simplicity of this, these few verses here, we can really understand what it means to fulfill this thing called the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took him at his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. I want to focus the message on verse 6 and verse 7. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell. I had the privilege just a few years ago to, to go and to be a part of the Billy Graham Training uh, Center there in the Cove uh, in Asheville, North Carolina. And while we were there, we got invited to go on a little tour down to see the chapel. Some of you have been there and you've seen that beautiful, beautiful chapel. And so we walked and there was nothing going on at the chapel at the time. And so our tour guide gave us a kind of a really nice tour, behind the scenes kind of look at this chapel. And there was this, the, the pulpit that so many times Billy Graham has, has stood behind and preached from. And, and the guide said, why don't you go, back, go up and stand behind it, see what it feels like. It was humbling to stand behind that great pulpit. And I did, and I stood behind the, the pulpit of that, that great chapel there at the cove. And as I was looking down, I began to look up, and I looked up in the back of the room, and there was two banners. And I'll never forget what they said. The first banner said, come and see. And the other one said, go and tell. Come and see. Go and tell. And with my heart for missions, I just began to think about that. I put a lot of thought into that. And I, I continue to think about the simplicity of this thing called the Great Commission and how do we understand it. And I realized that if we would take this passage of Scripture that I read to you this morning and begin to put it in action, and maybe not two banners in the back of our church, but maybe we should hang three banners with these three phrases on them. If I was hanging a banner in the back of the church for people to really understand this thing called missions, the first banner would simply say this, come and see. Come and see. As, as these women come running to the tomb, they're, they're going, they're trying to figure out how we're going to roll away the stone and how we're going to be able to, to, to take care of the things we've got to take care of today. And when they get to the tomb, they realize it's completely empty. He's not there. And they hear this, they hear the angels speak out to them. This Jesus that you seek, he's not here. He's risen from the dead. And then they say this, come and see. It, it's foundational for, for, the, for the spread of the gospel, for, for that, those early missionaries, those disciples who became apostles. They went from being learners under the feet of Jesus 
to being apostles, ones that were sent out. This is critical to all the, the expansion of the gospel around the world. If those women had been afraid and run away and not come to see it, they'd have missed something spectacular. And the angel says, come and see. You know why? Because I believe that the angels knew, God knew, that those women had to come. They didn't just need to hear about it. They needed to see it with their own eyes. And they go walking in and see those, those gra- their grave clothes folded and laying there. And guess what? With their own eyes, they saw, He's not here. He's risen. Come and see. You see, I've come to the place in my life where I have realized that it's hard to express something with a lot of enthusiasm and excitement and passion if you've never seen it. How many of you have ever been able to uh, uh, suggest a movie to someone else that you never saw? Anyone? <laughs> oh, it's a great movie. I, I read about it. No, when you get really excited about movies, oh, I saw, I cried all the way through it or whatever the case may be. You, you, you saw it and you've got to go see this thing. You experienced it and you've got to tell someone else about it. It's really a great sales tactic, isn't it? I've got this friend of mine who I, I buy a lot of buy a lot of cars from. You know, we, we kind of tear up the cars when we're going on the road as much as we are. And uh, I'll call him up and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about trading. You know, what, what kind of cars do you have available? And he'll always say this to me. Come by and see me, and I'll give you some keys to something. You know what he knows? He knows if he can just get Bert in a nice car, you know, Bert's not going to want to keep driving that one that has 110,000 miles on. He's going he's gonna to try it out. You know, once you come and see it, what happens? You're hooked on it. Have you ever realized that, you know, they strategically do this? As you're going through the mall, they got these people in the middle of the mall. As you're walking down, you're going to your store to pick up whatever you want. What do they do? They got someone standing there handing something and wants to hand you off something. Say, here, take a look at this. Come see this. And what do you do? You put it in your hand and all of a sudden you get interested. You get hooked on it. Yeah. I was walking through the mall not too long ago and someone handed me an iPhone. Oh, I don't need an iPhone. Until I held it and realized I need one of these. Okay. I got to have one of these. And, and you know what? If I had just kept on walking, but I, 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 in my hand, I held an experience what it could do. And now I'm, I'm a salesman. For, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I just tell everyone, I mean, you can't believe what this does. Why? Because I experienced it. Come and see. Go and tell. In the first book of John, you've got the story where, where uh, Philip, he, he, he encounters Jesus for the very first time. And, and he's been hearing about this, this person called the Messiah. And so he quickly goes and tells Nathaniel. And uh, you've got to appreciate Nathaniel's kind of skepticism. And so Philip comes to Nathaniel and says, You've got, you're not going to believe. We just met the Messiah. He's here. And what does Nathaniel say? Oh, great. No, he says, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> and, and so I love at this point, Philip doesn't say, Well, let me kind of list out these seven points of the sermon here. Point one, point two, point three. You need to understand this. If you knew the scriptures, you know this. He just says this, come and see. Come and see. Why? Philip saw him. Philip experienced him. And the first thing that Philip had to do was to go quickly and tell someone, I just met the Messiah. Philip knew that if Nathaniel would just come and just come and see him, his life would be changed. I think about another cross-cultural setting there at Jesus comes to a well and he meets a woman at the well. And it's a very much an international kind of setting there because Jews and Samaritans, they, they just clash. They never talk to each other. They never cross-mixed. And they there's bad news. And Jesus comes up to the, to the woman at the well and asks her for a drink. And he said, if you knew who it was to ask you, you, you would ask for the living water. And she began to experience the living water freshly. And, and so she goes from that encounter at the well 
And she runs as fast as she can. And you know what she says to everyone? Hey, go check out the well. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> Come and see this man who told me everything about myself. He knows everything about me and he still loves and cares about me. If you'll just come and see and experience this person, your life will be changed. Come and see. We're launching to go international, a new ministry, a sub-ministry under our, our ministry. It's called Safe Water Nexus. And we've got some really creative guys who came to us and they, they wanted to be a part of our ministry, but they want to be a part of well water ministries, kind of like Jesus met the woman at the well. I got interviewed by a, a local newspaper in, in the Bristol area. They called me up and wanted to know about this ministry we were starting. And they said, why, why safe water? I said, well, Jesus met a woman at the well and it changed her life. And we believe that we can meet people at a well. Well, clean water is one of the most basic things we need to provide for people. So as they come in, they can experience clean well. And we want to tell people about Jesus as they come and meet him and get some clean water. And so I sat down with these two guys and said, let's talk about vision. Let's talk about direction, where we're going to go, and what we want to do this. Give me your plan for the first year. And they said, it's real simple. We've got a simple plan for the first year. All we're going to do is invite people to come see. And all of our uh, reaching out, all the things we're going to do, we're just going to get people to come and see. Because we believe people come to Uganda and see what God's doing there through well water and through clean water and safe water nexus. They'll want to experience what's taking place. I want to tell you something. One of the reasons why we're not real passionate about this thing called missions is some of us never experienced it. Some of us never come, have never come to see it for ourselves. You know, I was raised in a, in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor when I was in junior high school. Uh, seven years old, I got saved. In junior high school, I got called into ministry. And so that became my course of direction. So from that moment on, I began to prepare for ministry. I thought God would call me to be a pastor. If you'd ever said to me back then, Bert, guess what? God has his hand on your life to be a missionary. I'd say, yeah, right. You know why? Because I wasn't interested. I had no time for this thing called missions. You know why? I had never experienced it. So I got to college my senior year, and, and so a professor comes up to me and says, you got to come with me. you got to come see what God's doing in Jamaica. And, and I was like, ah, thanks. I'm going to go work because last, last Christmas break I worked in California, made enough money to pay off my next semester. i got to do that. He said, no, you got to come see this. You've got to come see what God is doing there. And so I came up with all these excuses, and every time he had an answer, and every time I said, well, I don't think I can afford it, and God provided all the money. So I went, this, this year, 20 years ago, this year, I went on my first exploratory mission trip, went on my first trip, and God not only changed my life, but he changed my world. You know why? I came and saw it. It wasn't someone else's story. It wasn't someone else telling me about guilting me into going. All someone did was invite me and say, come see this. Come see this thing. Come see what God is doing. And I'm convinced today that guilt's not going to get people on the mission field. Do you realize that? I mean, I, I, got some, I got some great ammo today, and I can make every one of you feel so bad. I've got it all in my ammunition today, and I'm not even going to use it. You know why? Because it doesn't work. It's not long-term. I, I can look at you. Some of you are starting to, your stomach's starting to growl. You're starting to think about lunch. And think, How dare you go home and eat today when there's people starving all over the world? How dare you? And yet, um, that won't work. You may skip today's meal, but you'll be back on tomorrow, and you won't really want to change the world. And yet, this year, I was in Nicaragua with a group of people, and we went to some of the poorest places I've ever been in my life, some of the filthiest conditions I've ever seen, children drinking out of the filthiest well I've ever seen. They called water. And they pulled our team aside by themselves on a bus, and they handed each of us a sandwich and said, here, here's lunch. 
and not a single person on our team could eat it. It wasn't because the sandwich was bad. It was because we had seen for ourselves the hunger and the starvation. And there wasn't one of us that could unpack that sandwich and stick it in our mouth. We had come to see and had experienced something that changed our life, that all of us who saw that and were there said, here, take this to those kids. Give them something to eat. In this other Great Commission, Jesus first of all says, the first thing you got to do is to come and to see. The second banner that I would hang would, would simply say this, then go quickly. Come and see, then go quickly. How many of you realize that there's not a single word in Scripture that's not there by intention? Do you realize that? And I love it here. It's the word then. Now you may, you, when, when I read the word then, there's probably not too many of you said, Amen, preacher bird. <laughs> and yet the Bible says, come and see, then go quickly. And it, what it's saying here to us is, you're not going to move a, an inch until you've experienced it. You're not going to be moved to compassion. You're not going to be moved to action if you've not experienced it yourself. And so he says, come and see. Then go quickly. You see, in the church today, we're trying to get people, come on, get out, go, go, go. We're emphasizing the word go without emphasizing that long before Jesus ever gave the word go, he said, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. Jesus, before he sent out his disciples, uh, who later become apostles, the first thing he says to them is, come, follow me. Before you ever get an inkling to go, you've got to come. So come to me is the first banner. And then, after you've come, then go. How are we supposed to go? Quickly. Now, uh, we've been in partnership with this church for a long time, and you've, you've been with us uh, and seen my kids kind of grow up and we're hitting a new stage in our life. It's called teenage years. And that's just something else you can be praying for us about. But we'll tell our kids, um, hey, I need you to go do something. And do you know what I get? Okay. And then I follow up with this word. Now, quickly. I need you to do that. I'm waiting on this. I need this quickly. Go, quickly, now. Okay. And sometimes I'm even louder than that, really, to be honest with you. And, and I'm trying to drive some passion. Look. I ask you to do something. I need it done now. Go quickly and do it. And it's frustrating to me as a father, to be honest with you. And then I get under conviction. Because I wonder what the Heavenly Father thinks. He said, come and see. And we've come. And then he says, now then, go quickly. Go quickly and do something about this. And many times we're like my kids. We just kind of sit around. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Some of you have traveled around the world. You've seen exactly what I'm talking about. You've seen the, the, the need, and, and you've been moved. And yet, when you came back, you came back you came back on the trip going, you know what, when I get back, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and, man, I'll, I'll never be the same again, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really get involved in this. And, and, and do you hear the Father saying, quickly, quickly. And why is quickly so important? Well, as a father, I need it now. I've got something that needs to, that needs to happen next, and it can't happen until I get you to respond. And, and I think the reason why the Heavenly Father is saying, quickly now, now, go, 
It's because Revelation 22 says this, Behold, I come quickly. And since the Heavenly Father is saying that He's coming back quickly, there's still work to be done. There are still people who need to know about this person of Jesus Christ. And, and as we sit around and, oh, I'm going to do something. I'm going to get involved. Jesus says, go quickly. I love uh, the Great Commission is all about obedience. You realize that? And in fact, uh, Dr. Dennis Kinlaw, he says this, that everyone's salvation began with someone's obedience. Everyone's salvation began with someone's obedience. And, and, and those who responded to the Great Commission, they obeyed. And they went and they told. Someone obeyed the Lord and, and came and shared it with you, whether it was in a church service or someone who shared their faith with you. Everyone's salvation experience began with someone's obedience. And so the angels tell these two women, these women who are gathered at the tomb, come and see, check this out, make sure you've seen this first, then go quickly. And I love verse 8. Listen to what verse 8 says in this passage of Scripture. So they departed quickly. Isn't that good? They didn't just kind of slowly depart. They departed quickly. And then it says, and they ran to tell his disciples. They went quickly. My mind takes me to Luke chapter 14, verses 16 and following. I love this story. It's about, let me just read it to you. But he said to him, a man once had a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, come, remember, come and see, first banner. For everything is now ready, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go see it. Let me take a time out here. By the way, if you're going to buy something, it's always good to do what? See it before, right? Boy, I feel bad for this guy, because who knows what he just bought, right? He just bought a field, and so I really can't go quickly right now, because i got to go see what I just bought. Bad businessman, okay? Please have me excused, he said, verse 19. And another said to him, I have five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. i got to go check them out. Please have me excused. And another, I love this one, verse 20. Another one said, I have married a wife and I have too many honeydew lists to do. No, it doesn't say that. It does say she got, he, he got married, okay? And I'm thinking, okay, I just got married, so I can't really do this. Really? Therefore, I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became very angry and said to his servants, Go out quickly. Quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And the servant said, what you have commanded has already been done. Still, there's still room in the house. And the master said to the servant, go out quickly to the highways and hedges and compel those people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, None of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. There's still room in the house. There's still more room at the table. Get out quickly and tell them. I love the story about Philip in Acts chapter 8. Uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. The Spirit said, go to Philip. Describe to Philip. He was going to go to this, to this intersection where he was going to meet an Ethiopian. And, and there he was going to share and explain the Scriptures more fully to him. And what I love about Acts chapter 8 is the Bible says when, when the Spirit said go, it describes Philip as running quickly to that intersection. Now let's, let's, let's just kind of imagine this. Philip's supposed to meet this Ethiopian at the intersection, and the Ethiopian 
is on in his carriage, and he's on his way, and he's going. He's going across this intersection. He's not staying there for lunch. He's crossing this intersection, and the Spirit has independently said to Philip, you got to get there. And so what does Philip do? He goes, well, you know, I've got to take care of some things over here. i got some other stuff to do. You know, i got a lot of stuff going on. i got to take care of it. No. The Bible says when the Spirit spoke to Philip, he ran. And he got to that intersection. And he was waiting for the Spirit to do something. And all of a sudden comes this Ethiopian. And the Spirit says, now go talk to him. So do you understand what you're reading? How can I unless someone tells me? Now think about this intersection here. He's reading the book of Isaiah. He has no idea what it means. And he comes through an intersection, comes and goes. If Philip hasn't run to that place quickly to be right where God wanted him to be. You realize some people all across the world coming through an intersection. And if we're not there, they're not going to hear the message. If we don't get to the intersection quick enough, we miss our opportunity. Come and see. Then go quickly. And the third banner is this. And tell. And tell them. He's not in the grave anymore. He's alive. He's risen from the dead. I can imagine those women, they did, the Bible says in verse 8, they did exactly what I said. They ran and they went and they told the disciples. I don't think they walked in and said, hey, guys, we want to tell you, we've had the busiest week. We've had so much going on. We did so much preparation. And what do you know? We, you know no, they ran. They said, fellas, guys, he's not there anymore. He's alive. He's risen from the grave. He's not there anymore. And they began to spread the word out. They began to go and tell everyone, guess what? Jesus is alive. What did they do? They came and saw. Then went quickly to tell. I'll tell you one of the challenges I see in missions today is that we're spending so much of our emphasis on humanitarian kind of things. There's this big emphasis on humanitarian aid and helping the, the physical needs of people. I'm not against that, okay? Don't hear me wrong. We just brought on a doctor on staff at Go International full-time. He's going to help with medical teams all around the world. But let me just tell you something. We, we took a team. Some of those pictures you saw in the, in the video were from our trip to, to Kenya, Africa, and went into the... Kibera slums, one of the worst slums in all of uh, Kenya. And we went in, and, 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 and in eight days, of, we saw over 5,000 patients, saw over 600 conversions to Christ through the evangelism efforts. An amazing, amazing week. But i got to tell you something. Had we come in and brought the medicine in and given those pills to take care of worms for the children, guess what? The worms are going to come back. If we had taken vitamins, the pills would run out. And those who, who got some medicine and and while we were there, there was a little baby, and they said that she will not, this little baby will not make it through the night if the, she didn't get some medicine. And our team gathered around that little girl, paid for that little, that little mother to take her little baby to the hospital and, and get some more help. Couldn't, couldn't happen had the team not been there. But we gathered around and we prayed for that woman. We prayed for that child. And we believed in the name of Jesus that God would raise that little girl up. And He did. He did. What would have been a certain death? And this, this past yesterday, we, have, we fed over 400 children uh, on the street children in the, in the streets of Peru. And, and we have a feeding program there for $100 every Saturday. We can feed over 400 children. It's their, their only hot, warm, sustainable meal of the week, many of which. But here's the thing. I'm all for feeding programs. It's so good. I'd love for you to plug into that sometime. But those kids are going to get hungry again. And all these things that we do, 
feeding programs, health programs, all these things. They build bridges so that people can cross over from being lost to being saved. And they'll never cross over unless we tell them about the cross of Jesus Christ. As we sang this morning, Jesus paid it all. I, I sat there and thought, there are people who don't know that. I've met people around the world that don't know that Jesus paid it all. Don't know that Jesus, God sent a stimulus package to the world that none should perish. He took care of it, paid the price so that it's a free gift. It's available to all. And there are people who don't know that. They have no idea that that's available. Come and see. Then go quickly. I believe if we would capture that and understand that, we could fulfill the Great Commission. So before I want to twist your arm or guilt you into giving and doing all that kind of stuff, I just want to say to you, come see. Go see for yourself. I believe if you see what God's doing around the world, you'll be touched and moved. And, and there may be some of you here this morning that have been and God's saying, now go quickly and do something about it. I also believe that maybe the Lord's saying this morning to some of us here today, you've been living the gospel, now it's time to share the gospel. Some people say, well, I just want my life to be a witness. That's good. But they need to hear. They need to be told. And those women, they went and they did this that. They came, they saw, they went. Then they went quickly and they told it. He's alive. He's alive. Do you realize that you and I are benefactors? Because someone came and saw, then went quickly and told. And my question to you is, who will be the benefactor of your experience? What you've seen and heard. And people need to hear. Father, I pray that this morning you would take this simple message. Come and see. Then go quickly and tell. Help us, Father, to get it. Help us, Father, to understand it. That's another great commission. Father, if we begin to understand that, begin to do that, experience that, Lord, only you know how you could use the individuals in this church. Only you know and fully understand how it might change the ministry of Christ Community Church. So I ask, Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, you'd sweep through this place. Nudge our hearts. Give us that action step. Tell us what you want us to do. There may be someone here this morning, you're just simply saying, come see this. Sign off on a trip. Go on one of the teams that the, the church is taking somewhere. You've got to go see what God's doing around the world. Some of you have come back from these experiences and made all kind of promises. Oh, when I get back, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be more involved. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to tell other people. And you haven't done it. And the Lord's saying, now, go quickly. Now. Now. Tell. Jesus paid it all. All to him. this morning.